daisies blooming. Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. It's also the website, leaningtowardwisdom.com. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. It's episode 21, season 2021. Are you helping or harming? Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, where it is November. It's actually November the 9th, 2021. Words, phrases, lyrics, uh, these are the things that spark ideas and questions and conversations and, well, connection ensues. Communication is not the same thing as connecting. People sometimes misunderstand that. We communicate by speaking, writing, body language, micro facial expressions. You know, communication is one person sending and one person receiving, but that's not connecting. Communication is aimed at intellectually understanding. Connecting is aimed at emotional understanding. That's how relationships are built, and that is far more, well, that's more often how these episodes are formed here at Leaning Toward Wisdom. And it makes sense because leaning toward wisdom is a collaborative endeavor. We aren't doing this work alone. Do you think we've connected? Is there any emotional bond between us? You as a listener to this podcast? Well, I certainly would hope so. I hope that you have found some sort of connection. Otherwise, I kind of doubt you'd be listening to this podcast if there were no connection. It's the great thing about this medium. I regularly have conversations, not every week, but very regularly with people who are either interested in this medium or wondering about it, or wondering how I go about it. And connection always enters the conversation. I mean, I always tell them one of the great things about podcasting is people can click play and they can get some sense of who you are, what you are, and they can decide. And most of us, we can decide it rather quickly, whether we're in or we're out, whether this person that I'm listening to is my cup of tea or not. And either way, we all win, right? I mean, the quicker we get to a yes or a no, the better. It's the maybes that kill us. It's like, eh, you know, I might like him. I might like her. I might not like, you know, it's just decide already. And being able to click play for many of us, maybe not all of us, for, for, for many of us, it, it gives us, it gives us that opportunity to decide if we uh, if we think there's a connection or if we even want to try to give it a go. Uh, it does require that people get involved enough to get in. I got in day one. I got in with you years ago when I started this podcast. I'm hoping that more people get in. And if if you're listening for the first time, welcome. If you haven't already gotten in and 
Hey, please contribute to making this leaning toward wisdom connection work for you. I, I absolutely want it to work for you. I'm hopeful that it will work for you. Okay. It started with a conversation about kindness versus niceness. This is something that I have recorded about probably way too much. I have discussed this before many times, so I will not dive too deeply into it again today, except to point out that being kind is helpful. Being nice is mostly about being polite, but it's not likely very helpful, right? Your mom is nice when she tells you, You've got a beautiful voice, even though you can't carry a tune. And that's where the conversation quickly went to with a question, what's helpful, what's hurtful? What is helpful, what's hurtful? Because the context was, you know, this this challenge that we often have with kindness versus being nice. Well, I focused in on the word hurtful. And I offered in this conversation I'm having, I offered a counter. Why don't we make the word harmful instead of hurtful? Because, you know, it could be hurtful to pour alcohol on a skin knee of our child, but it's helpful. Harmful is something entirely different, though. Harmful is detrimental. When you make your living... Uh, by coaching people to higher performance, you have to lean heavily into kindness because until people feel completely safe, you can't serve them. And safe means we know with certainty that people have our best interest at heart. They want us to succeed. They want us to thrive. They want us to grow. They are committed to helping and equally committed to avoiding harming us. That's what safe means. Being challenged is not always fun, but when it's done in safety, it's not harmful. Is it uncomfortable? Well, almost always, almost always, you know, putting us in a position where we are driven to think more deeply. Yeah, that too. Giving us a choice in how we can respond always because it's our life. So as my friend and I talk about helping or harming, it was clear to me that we're really talking about some different scenarios and different kinds of people. There are times when people may think they're being helpful, but they're not. Times when people are disguising being harmful as helpful. Times when people may genuinely want to help, but they go about it so poorly, they harm I'm really fond of how the British refer to coaching as being in the helping business. I think of myself as being in the helping business. I mean, I would hate to think of myself as being in the harming business. Criminals, they're in the harming business. Immoral businesses, they're also in the harming business for profit. Sin businesses, they are in the harming business. I mean, look around. There's an awful lot of profit, and there's an awful lot of feverish activity in the harming business. It's extraordinarily profitable. Last week in the episode, I pointed out what's on my whiteboard. I'll I'll go ahead and throw that in the show notes here. I'll embed a photograph of the top part of the board. It says, spend your time figuring out, figuring out how to make the biggest difference. It is implied in my whiteboard statement that I am trying to figure out how to make the biggest positive difference, the biggest helpful difference. 
Am I always successful? No, no, I don't always succeed at my intended consequence. There are unintended consequences sometimes. I mean, would that we were always judged by our intentions, but okay, well, let's stop and think about that for a second. Do you really, do you want to be judged by your intentions? Would that be a good thing? Would that always be a good thing? Because sometimes, well, what if your intentions are not honorable? Are your intentions always honorable? Do you really want to be judged by your intentions? Sometimes our intentions may be rightly aimed at helpful, but sometimes not. The other night I stumbled across a documentary on Amazon Prime. Well, the name of the documentary was The Identity Theft of Mitch Mustaine. M-U-S-T-A-I-N. It's a 2014 documentary about a young man, a quarterback from Springdale, Arkansas. I'd never heard of, I've never heard of this young man. I've, I, I never heard this story. He is a phenom. He is playing for then high school coach Gus Malzahn. Well, I had no idea Gus Malzahn was the head football coach in Springdale, Arkansas. Gus Malzahn later went on to become the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. Then he went to Tulsa and he wound up as the head coach of Auburn for a number of years until in 2020, I think he got fired. He is now, as I record today, he is the head coach at central Florida. Okay. It's not Auburn. Mitch Mustaine and a core group of his offensive buddies at the Springdale, Arkansas high school, they had wild success playing for coach Malzahn, the entire core group, about five of them, they all got D one scholarships. So I'm watching, I'm watching this documentary. I'm watching this story unfold of coaches and adults who are tasked with helping these young men, high schoolers and college age guys. And throughout the documentary, I am, I'm wondering about the role of these adults. And I thought about my conversation with my friend. Are these adults being helpful or harmful, particularly in his football life? Was Mitch Mustaine helped or harmed? Did these people have his best interest at heart or did they have their own best interest at heart? Well, it was abundantly clear to me, credit. Credit's a big deal. It's always a big deal. Who's going to get credit? You know, that so often is at the heart of the matter. Arkansas head coach at the time, Houston Nutt versus Gus Malzahn, the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator, by the way, that evidently Houston Nutt was pressured into hiring because, well, he was the high school coach of all these Arkansas kids that Arkansas alumni, they they wanted these boys to come to Arkansas, come to Fayetteville. My lens, it's only 90 miles up the road. Here's Houston Nutt. He's the coach who run, 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 run. Gus Malzahn, he's the throw it all over the field, kind of a control freak. The kids? Eh, the kids likely are pawns in a much bigger game that is not entirely played on the football field. Well, this isn't the first time this story's been written. Conflict with upperclassmen who now resent these new flashy freshmen coming in. A divided locker room divided loyalties between coach Malzahn and coach nut people chasing the spotlight 
people pursuing credit so they can outshine their peers. It's like chickens in the barnyard pecking at each other, making sure I can get my head higher than yours. Classic conflict of who's larger, who's more in charge, whose light will shine the brightest. Neither Nut nor Malzahn participated in the documentary, and I completely get it. I mean, not much to be gained by speaking out, I don't suppose. Meanwhile, Mitch, he does not come across as filled with blame. He doesn't seem to be bitter. He doesn't seem to feel victimized. Rather, he's pretty matter-of-fact about it all. Now, some argue, well, this kid, he didn't have D1 college skills. Other people think, well, he was victimized by selfish, selfish coaches. Listen, I don't know. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's true. But I do think that he and many young athletes of all ages absolutely suffer sometimes at the hands of people, adults, who declare they're trying to help, but they're not. Listen, I know this because I go to grandkids' ball games and I see parents and other people in the stands constantly yelling at these kids, do this, don't do that, do this other. And then you see adults just behave horrifically with game officials. Sometimes parents get into it in the stands. Okay, maybe they're not trying to be harmful, but by watching out mostly for themselves, it seems to me that an awful lot of people, it's just everybody's just collateral damage, right? I mean, you just... You just hope to get out of their way. And then I wonder about arriving in specific chapters in somebody's life, a coach, a player, a group of coaches, a group of players, like I'm watching this documentary. Does this accurately depict who these people are? Not likely, but it might. Over the years, Coach Malzahn has shown himself to be a pompous, smartest man in the room kind of a guy. Now, it doesn't mean that he is, but many people have described him that way, media people and other people. I have no way to know. I've never met the man. He may be just the opposite of those things for all I know. I mean, I know one chapter does not an entire story make, but I also know that our story is the sum of our chapters. And if we write a number of chapters that have a consistent theme yeah, okay, we're likely telling the truth, whatever that truth may be. Well, it speaks to this conversation I'm having with a friend about helpful or harmful. A person would open the book to my life, and they might happen on a chapter that isn't my best chapter, and they could conclude even from a paragraph or a page or an entire chapter, well, he's not helpful, he's harmful. That's absolutely possible. And when I think about our stories and the chapters, I realize that we could open the book on anybody's life, somebody's life, and we could find horrible stories of defeat and sorrow and sadness and challenge and suffering, even despair. And the lows might be very low for some, less for others. Ditto for the highs. I mean, come on, we could read a chapter on the highs for Elon Musk. Well, those are going to be vastly higher than any highs I've ever or ever will experience, at least financially. But no matter, everybody has chapters of highs and lows. Is it fair to judge any of us on a single chapter? Eh, Probably not. Probably not. The conversation morphs to how we show up, 
how do how do other people see us and i remind my conversation partner that three years ago little over i experienced a family tragedy that wrecked me now you've experienced sorrow you've experienced sadness you've been knocked to your knees before matt carney he's a nashville-based originally from oregon singer-songwriter and he had a hit song number of years ago i think it might have been his first hit song closer to love and the song begins and there's this lyric that we're all one phone call from our knees the phone rings you're not expecting this call but you get this call and your knees buckle you ever lost somebody that you loved most of us have did you map out your grief no, I mean, I don't know anybody that mapped out their grief. It's organic. It happens. You react always at your best and eh, maybe not, but it is what it is. My tragedy changed me, changed my demeanor, changed almost everything. Did I plan on it? No, of course not. Did I enjoy it? No, not one bit. Not then, not now. We look at the circumstances that other people endure We've got the ability to do this because, well, we're human and humans have this unique capacity to project ourselves and put ourselves in imaginary circumstances that we've never, ever been in and figure out what we might do. Okay. So, so we do that. We look at circumstances that other people are going through and we may think to ourselves, we might even say it out loud. You know, I would deal, I would deal with that differently. Would you, are you sure? How do you know? We may think we know, but until we're faced with it, until the phone rings and we answer, we really don't know. In some situations in the past three years, I've grown tremendously in other situations. Okay, it's not been my finest hour. But grief is like that. It's a process. And you wake up each day. Well, you wake up each day either with determination or resignation. Some days, in fact, I'll I'll go on record and tell you for me, most days I experience both many, 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 many times. I can go from determination to resignation in a nanosecond, and I can go from resignation to determination in a nanosecond. It's a roller coaster ride. And it's known best by those of us who are in it, whatever it is. I mean, we know it because it's our life. We've all got our burdens. Our individual struggles, they can propel us toward greater empathy or greater judgment. My experience has proven that it drives people to one or the other. And frankly, the latter is way easier. Judgment is way easier. It's just way easier for us to look at one another and to second guess one another and think, well, that's, I wouldn't behave that way and they shouldn't behave that way either. I'm sure some folks look at me and think, well, he, he ought to be over that by now. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. But I'll go on record and tell you I'm not. I'm not over it. And there are details that only my closest family members know. My journey didn't just happen three years ago and end. I mean, there have been numerous stories built all along the way. But nobody knows that. And I don't feel like it's my job to share all the gory details. Mostly because, A, it's nobody's business. And, B, everybody's got their struggle. Nothing special about mine, except I'm having to live with mine. I just hope along the way that I get a bit of grace and mostly I do, but sometimes I don't. Okay. Such is life. Build a bridge, get over it. Right. 
I'm not intentionally hanging on to it, mind you. It just lingers, you know. And I mean, this is this is how struggles work. Sometimes they just linger like a storm cloud that just refuses to be blown away. You know, it's like okay, it, it's it's here for a while. Some days the rain clouds come and man, it just sets in and it just rains and it rains and it rains. Other times it's just kind of a flash and it sprinkles and then sunshine pops right back out. I don't know what to do other than to write it out, knowing that I don't have any idea how long it may take because the story is still being written. And in my case, somebody else is writing the story while I'm busy trying to write my own in response to it as best I can. I mean, come on, you and I both already know we need to refuse to see ourselves as, as a victim. And I certainly don't see myself as a victim, but in one sense, we all are victims. We are all victims to the writing that others are doing, the choices they are making in their life that impact our life. So we respond, we react, we make our choices based on the hand we're dealt. And hopefully we take full responsibility for what happens to us, knowing that that's really the only path forward. But it doesn't make us infallible. And we don't always get it right in real time, which is my definition of wisdom. I mean, come on, leaning toward wisdom is about let's try to put in the work to get it more right more often in real time. Any idiot can look back in hindsight and say, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. Okay, well, in the moment, can we get it right? Mostly, I think in our best moments, we're working hard to figure it out so that we can get it right. And you know what? Failure is part of figuring it out. We're not always going to get it right. But it's not always a matter of right or wrong. It's not always a matter of success or failure. Sometimes, well, sometimes it's like my grief. I mean, it's just life and it's working every day to endure it. And, you know, you're looking for some way forward so that you can avoid being paralyzed and you can stay out of the abyss You think you know how you would respond to a circumstance that you have not yet experienced, but the truth is you really don't know. None of us do. My circumstance happened and I responded because, well, that's what life does. Life demands that you respond and you try to deploy your best wisdom and you find yourself doing what you have to do. I learned a long time ago that life's problems are either overcome or they are endured. We can't overcome every sorrow. We can't overcome every struggle. We can't overcome every sadness. We have to endure some, and we have to figure out how we can move forward. And it takes however long it takes. Grief, it's interesting to me in this subject of helping or harming. Grief is something that people really enjoy judging. I I didn't fully understand all this when my particular journey began, I don't know what your grief looks like. Uh, my grief, I can tell you, my grief doesn't always look the same. I've lost grandparents. I've lost close friends. And for me to judge somebody based on what I think their response to grief ought to be, well, that just doesn't seem right. Cause my own grief doesn't always look the same when it comes to being helpful or harmful. For me, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, which lane do you want to be in? What do you think about people who intentionally are harmful? 
but they do it under the guise of being helpful. He asked me and very quickly I respond, well, you're talking about hypocrisy, right? You're talking about pretending to be one thing while you're really something different. That's our conversation. And so he says, yeah, what do you do with that? I said, well, what? listen, I don't have any deep answers here other than you protect yourself. You just protect yourself. And at the same time, I, I quickly follow it up by pointing out, you know, vulnerability works too. I mean, it gets complicated really quickly. Protect yourself, open yourself up. I mean, come on. How do you do both at the same time? My best answer was be selective, be selective. We have to discern whether somebody is helpful to us or whether they are harmful to us. So of course he asked me, well, what do you do? <laughs> Over the next few minutes, I'm recounting to him instances where I just simply withdraw and I end a relationship. And I, I cited some professional circumstances where, you know, there's no ill will. There's no, uh, there's no ill intentions. There's just a situation where all the parties we're no longer getting much out of this relationship. It's really not working for either one of us. So we part ways. That's that happens every single day in business and it can happen in life as well friendships where it's largely it it morphs to being more one-sided than not and so it fades and eventually it ends and that's usually how things go for most of us sometimes there's an event right there's this moment where just things go south disagreements conflicts it happens since i was a little boy in elementary school i've worked to be the peacemaker i i, I can't tell you how many times on a playground or with kids in their neighborhood out playing um me stepping in the middle, trying to prevent a fight from breaking out. I just didn't want to see anybody get in trouble. I certainly did not want to get in trouble myself. And I learned at an early age to quickly distance from people who were chronic troublemakers, right? And some kids are, and some adults are, I knew better. Thanks to my parental training to avoid letting people negatively influence me. I knew it was not in my best interest to hang around troublemakers kids that just wanted to fight all the time now over the years i've tried to be even quicker as an adult than i was as a kid in making those determinations well because time is precious and protection's even more important as an adult and at the same time i'm prone to be open with people i'm really bent toward empathy. And it's not hard for me. It's not hard for me to share. It's not hard for me to connect. It's not hard for me to engage with people who feel safe with me. And I can see how people might get gun shy to be open. But for me, that's just not worthwhile. I don't want to risk losing what might otherwise be a great connection for me and for the other person. Life's too short. Life's too hard. We need each other. And I'm always ready to be available. So my buddy says, well, when somebody proves harmful, what do you do? <laughs> I walk away and I joked and I said, sometimes I run. Well, have you ever had somebody who wouldn't let you walk away? And I said, yeah, once, once I, I told this person repeatedly, you're not safe for me. I repeatedly attempted to ask them to just let me be. I mean, I, what else do you do? I don't know. Now, of course, I realize that it depends on who they are to you because I know people who have, they have those kinds of relationships in their families. Well, now that makes it difficult. My situation is not with family. Uh, I, mean, I can only assume what that feels like. I, I don't know what that feels like. 
right? It's always harder if some context puts you in the same space as the hurtful person or harmful person consistently. There aren't any cut and dried answers here. I'm not telling anybody how to live their life. I'm just recounting to my conversation partner here what, what I do. I'm asked, so I answer. Right? And as with so many things, we have to figure out what we need to do. I don't judge being harmful, by the way, a person or a circumstance. I don't judge that lightly. I have compelling evidence which shows me that it is in my best interest to steer clear. It is in my best interest to walk away, and that's what I choose to do. I tell my friend, you know, there are two important factors for me, and they are in this order, spiritual welfare and mental or emotional welfare, and both of them, they intersect. Because God is first, I'm committed to protecting myself spiritually. Usually, I'm the one doing myself damage, by the way. I'm the one harming myself in this regard because selfishness is the killer for all of us, right? We have these moments of temptation. We want what we want, and we surrender to what we want instead of surrendering to what God wants for us. Yeah, I'm sometimes guilty of that. And then I have to be mindful of people in situations that might cause me spiritual harm. There are people who are not good for me to be around some because, well, they live in a way that I don't want to some because they don't have my best spiritual interest at heart, or they don't have any spiritual interest at heart. It's up to each of us to determine what best moves us forward and what hinders us. What is helpful? What is harmful, right? We've got to make that call. I think that's a big part of wisdom. My mental health, then, that matters mostly because, well, it has such a strong impact on my spiritual health and, frankly, most everything else. But you know that's true in your life, too. How you feel, what you think, that determines everything. So I think all of us have to be on guard. We have to guard our heart. We have to guard our mind. You just can't expose it to anything and anybody and everything and everybody. And if you do, boy, that's a high-risk proposition. There's only ever been one person that I've ever told, you're the most unsafe person on the planet for me, and I've told this person that twice to their face. They'll leave me alone for a bit, but usually something compels them to cycle back around to me with some accusatory, judgmental conversation. And when it happens, again, and I rather suspect it will, I will repeat repeat myself, and I'll do my very best to keep my guard up so I can protect my spiritual and mental welfare – because that's my responsibility to myself to avoid harm and to avoid harming. Okay. Now, what about you? What about me? Are we helpful or harmful? And don't get sucked into thinking that you're the right person for everybody or for every situation because nobody is, you know, there are people in your life for whom you are the ideal person to help. But there are other people for whom you are the most ideal person to harm, even unintentionally. And so often we impose ourselves into the lives of other people, perhaps arrogantly thinking it's our job, it's our role to help, but we may be wrong. Body language, verbal cues, bold statements even, by by paying attention to how other people respond to us or don't respond to us, we can better determine if we can help. And you know what? If we can't help, best to avoid things altogether. I'm just telling you what I'm choosing to do. I mean, why risk harming 
simply because we can't help. And we do that when we make it more about us than them. And boy, you see this all the time. You know, our desire to be somebody's hero. Well, that doesn't make us a hero because it's not about us. Best to stop trying and maybe leave things alone. So somebody else, maybe somebody else is better suited to help. And maybe I can avoid doing harm. Now we've likely heard that the oath that doctors take is first do no harm. Well, that's not true. That's not true at all because doctors cut us open. They poke, they prod. Sometimes doctors hurt us, but it's in an effort to help us. Sometimes in my coaching clients are hurt. They're hurt by coming face to face with some realities that they've never faced before. I regularly tell clients. In fact, I usually do it in the very first session that we, we even meet each other. What you're going to experience here is me helping you paint yourself into a corner. I'm not going to paint you in a corner, but I'm going to help you paint yourself into a corner because that's where the growth, that's where the magic happens. When all the excuses are sucked out of the room and your back is up against the wall and there's nowhere to go except forward. And once you're in the corner, you're going to want to run and hide. When the opportunity is going to be for you to grab the mirror and look into it. And at long last, come to grips with some things and figure it out that you're the problem. And it's not fun, but man, is it profitable? I don't want to cause them pain. I don't want to cause them injury, but I want to help them move forward with growth, improvement, and change. Well, surgery and self-enlightenment, if for lack of a better phrase, they're not fun, but boy, they can be life-changing, profitable. But to avoid doing harm, to avoid doing harm, that may be as great a gift as helping. To know when to refrain, to know when to step back, to know when to walk away, to know when to leave it alone. Else, we might be guilty of harming somebody. There it is. Episode 21. Season 2021. Leaning Toward Wisdom. Again, the website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Let me hawk the Facebook group. It's not a big group. There's 150 some odd people over there. But I'd love to have you over there. Please. You'll find an icon up in the uh, navigation of the website, leaningtowardwisdom.com. It is modern tales of an ancient pursuit. And long after I stop recording and my voice leaves the planet, if the world stands and the Lord wills, I suspect people will always be pursuing wisdom. Somebody's going to. Might as well be us, right? I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Their colors changing like the times. 